1: As a listener of this podcast, you probably know very well the importance of being active throughout the day. The challenge is just how to actually get it done in a busy daily life, and a static standing has also its own downsides. There might be a solution for you. A treadmill desk from Germany called Walkalusion. What is a treadmill desk? In short, a workstation that allows you to walk slowly while you work at your desk. But in Walkerluson's case, it is treadmill without the motor, so it's silent and you decide the speed, as you are the engine of the treadmill. It also has sliding integrated desk and backrest, so you can have several different postures and can avoid overloading parts of the body for extended periods of time. At least for me, different activities and postures just fit better with certain work tasks, and Walkerlusen enables natural flow. Between posters. I've been testing the treadmill myself and it simply delivers. Every detail is thought through. So I'm glad as we can now offer Walk Desk Treadmill for the listeners of this podcast with 10% discount. To get the discount, use the code SITLESS, one word written together in the store of WalkIllusion.com. That is written walk as in walking and illusion like the second part of Revolution or evolution. And now it's time for the introduction of the guest of today's episode. We have a great guest for this episode. She's working as a lecturer in workplace health and well-being in the Department of Health Research at Lancaster University. Earlier she has been in postdoctorate role at Swansea University. She is an interdisciplinary mixed method researcher and her research expertise is in workplace physical activity and sedentary behavior intervention development and evaluation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Abigail Morris. Welcome, Abigail.
0: Hi, Ollie Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to have you in the show. So, uh, would you like to tell about your academic journey this far?
0: Yes, yeah, sure. So. Um, I started, I took my, um, undergraduate degree back in 2012. I was a little bit late to the game, um, and took a few years after my A-levels before I went into academia. Um, I studied sport and exercise science, um, which I really, really enjoyed. And during that program, I had took an interest in both the performance and the elite side, but also, with community-based health projects as well, so I took um, opportunities to take placements throughout my undergraduate degree, and and I really enjoyed both aspects. But what really stood out to me was um, interventions that could really help to change and help people improve make improvements to their health behaviours. And um, so that kind of followed in with my my dissertation um, title and things like that, and then following following my undergraduate degree I I got a position at Burnley um, football club with their community program so I was a health and well-being officer there so this wasn't an academic role in any way but it was really based within community programs and projects um, looking at improving health and well-being and, and delivering interventions so I did that for a while until the opportunity for the PhD came along which was still within intervention development and health promotion behavior change Um, But it was very much on the other end of the spectrum in terms of designing and then evaluating interventions as well. So I just thought I'd really um, would love to grasp that opportunity to to take that one step further. And and I took my PhD at Liverpool John Moores University. Started that in 2016, Um, and as you said, yeah, it was a mixed methods um, PhD as well. So I had a fantastic supervisor, Dr. Lee Graves, who um, supported me through, but also put me in touch with lots of um, opportunities for teaching and um, conferences and put me in touch with some advisors from Leicester University, Charlotte Edwardson, and even internationally with um, Genevieve Healy over in Australia. So it's just been a fantastic opportunity. And then, and then since it's led on to postdoctorate research at Swansea and um, for six months post, um, and then up to Lancaster, again so I've come full circle from my academic journey from starting in Lancaster and coming back to Lancaster um so I've really enjoyed it
1: yeah yeah that's that's an interesting story and I actually didn't know that you have been in in John Morris because I was I was staying in in Liverpool for I think 2019 and 18 and maybe oh, right. maybe 16 i don't know mm-hmm. we have might even even met in the ship and mitre pub sometime <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember yeah. if we have
0: Oh, well, potentially yeah it's, it's definitely an infamous pub if you've been to liverpool john moore's university you will know of that of that establishment
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so so you said that you worked in the community project before starting your phd how how did you mm-hmm. how did you like it and What do you feel that you learned from from that experience?
0: Yeah, I really liked the the variety um, of the programs that we delivered. So, we did uh, schools based programs um, going into year fives and sixes and teaching them about um, diet, physical activity, doing like practical and theory sessions. um, And they really engaged with that. And then uh, we worked with different workplaces doing health checks, uh, men's health programs. So, getting people together, working together and noticing changes albeit a, a lot of the time was more anecdotal and um, they, they were evaluated programs but not on the, not to the same level as an academic evaluation as such so I really like the variety and the application and working with people um, to deliver the interventions and you get to know them you get to work with them over weeks um, and being in um, in the area that it was Burnley as well as quite a deprived area so the, the impact of the football stadium and, and the programmes within the community, I think, were really, really important.
1: Mm. And, and you get the, did you all the time want to start the PhD or did you figure it out while doing this, this work?
0: Um, it's a good question, actually, because I never considered myself to be an academic. And I didn't ever anticipate when I did my undergraduate degree that I would be sat here now with a PhD and a lectureship. Um, at Lancaster University so it was something I was interested in and I and I um, when the opportunity came up it, the PhD title and the project title it was there was um, it was already in place but it was something that was uh, really resonated with me as well so I knew that if I was to take on a PhD program it would be something that I had to be passionate about because you take it on, it's a, a minimum of three years. It's You've got to be passionate about it at the beginning because it's quite intense. Um, so it just it came along and it was an opportunity to progress myself professionally and personally. So I, I thought I'd take it up.
1: Mm, yeah. And and about your PhD, could you tell about how, how was your study design and what were the, the main findings?
0: So, yeah, so it was based on the MRC framework in terms of developing a complex intervention. So that follows a four-stage process in terms of the first stage is very much developmental, um, the second stage is um, piloting and feasibility stage, the third stage is evaluation, and then the fourth stage is wider implementation. So the scope of my PhD program didn't quite get around the full circle of the MRC framework um, by any means. So um, it was really focused towards developing an understanding of the setting and the context um, in the first phase. So my first PhD program uh, study was very much qualitative um, and I was looking at um, sort of the barriers and facilitators uh, within calls and contact centers and looking at the factors influencing their ability to be physically active and and the things influencing high volumes of sedentary behavior. So this was taking kind of... um, a holistic approach as well and not just talking to the employees themselves but um, the team leaders and the senior team leaders within that establishment to try and get this kind of broad picture of of the setting and to inform the development of future intervention strategies so that phase two then was a feasibility trial to to move on it's more of an like iterative process but to kind of build upon the factors that we've identified and then trial whether that's feasible within the setting itself. Um, and then the third, the third study that I did was, again, building on from that. It was still a pilot phase, but it was introducing a, an intervention arm for comparison as well. So very much following that, that framework model. From the MRC
1: framework. Sounds, sounds like an interesting interesting project. So you were actually having people from the call centers and you were collaborating with the managers there. How how was it to collaborate? I think call center work, it's quite intensive work that you you on the phone all the time. How easy was it to uh, decrease the sedentary time and how was it working in this environment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is a tricky environment, um, to work with, but even more so the reason to try to, um, have an impact on the sedentary behavior and physical activity. So, um, yeah, it, if you're not aware of call centers, they can be, they've been referred to as, um, uh, you know, battery kind of operations. Yeah. People are, it is very intensive and they don't have a very much autonomy or choice over what jobs they do. It's very much taking call after call after call. Um, So some of the challenges were built around those physical restraints, that they weren't physically able to break up their sitting time during the working day to just, um, you know, walk to the, um, to get some water or fill up the kettle or um, break it up in that way. And so we had to look around strategies to build upon opportunities for when they could do that within the day, but also introducing, um, so we had height adjustable workstations for um, the pilot trials. A pilot and feasibility trial, so they allowed workers to be able to continue to work to continue to answer telephone calls because important consideration obviously is that we don't dip in productivity and we don't have a negative impact on on those productivity metrics and they're really key for businesses and, in, and establishing business buy-in as well so and um, that was one of the main factors was being able to provide the height adjustable workstations Um, but that's not always possible because they obviously incur a cost if you're going to look to scale those kind of interventions up Um, so we looked at at, at different intervention strategies such as raising awareness through education sessions individual feedback some goal setting um, and self monitoring techniques as well so trying to build in those multiple components that um allowed people to be more aware of the behaviours and then try to integrate strategies, practical strategies within their working day.
1: Mm. And so you were looking in the first stage, you were looking qualitatively at the barriers and and facilitators. It would be mm. interesting to hear what kind of things you found and how much there was social norms and other things uh, preventing activity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and those social norms are really prevalent actually and that was one of the key themes that came out so I looked at it um, across the um, socio-ecological model so we're looking at a workplace like an onion as such so there's lots of layers involved within a workplace setting um, as any behaviour but within the workplace setting particularly so we have organisational factors um, such as some of the policies and job roles allow people to um, sit at their desks at lunchtime and to eat their lunch so there was no need for people to even break away during those break times to even stand up to move to a canteen or a different location. So there were certain local workplace policies that actually restricted that movement uh, or allowed people to just maintain their sedentary behaviour throughout the day. Um, some of the some of the practices were. Um, geared towards more of a a treatment approach so there were strategies in the four contact centers where people would be given a height adjustable workstation for example but only on the basis of a display screen equipment assessment or if someone had a chronic um, health condition or musculoskeletal problem already in place rather than approaching it from more of a preventative angle Um, and obviously from an organizational perspective there was a, a big need to justify a return on investment um and there was a, a, a big worry within within the team leaders and senior team leaders that any strategies to encourage their workers to sit less and to move more would have a negative impact on productivity output so there was that big kind of um conflict there um some of the cultural factors as well it was very much just perceived as you know, you come in to work, you come in and sit down and that's how you go about your day. Um, so there was a big culture around the practices that happened within the work workplace. Um, but team leaders were seen from, from all people that I um, interviewed and spoke with as really pivotal in, in terms of how they could shape and influence behavior and they could act as role models and they could really help to G up their teams and, and motivate their teams to um, sit less and move more. Um, I've already mentioned some of the environmental restrictions in terms of their connection to the workplace and their job roles themselves, but actually having to be connected to their computers mm. for up to nine, 90% of their day. So there was many factors, which makes it quite complex, but um, a very interesting setting as well to work with.
1: Yeah, so so there was quite a bit of norms and and factors against sedentary uh, avoiding sedentary behavior how how did you go about changing these norms and changing the workplace culture
0: so within the intervention strategies that we developed we tried to um, build in the team uh, like the team leader role we try to um, recruit people within teams within the first feasibility trial as well so to try and um really build upon that social element you know if they're doing it it becomes more of an acceptable behavior in the workplace if your colleagues breaking up their sitting time it's perceived then as potentially less strange or disruptive Um, so we built in um team leader strategies where they could talk to their um participants or um during team team meetings and one-to-one meetings um encourage them to conduct one-to-one meetings either standing or walking where possible um if there was no like confidential information being being talked about um so and then we also built in um uh, weekly email strategies as well so prompts and reminders to help um because a lot of our behavior is very much habitual so Mm. these prompts and weekly reminders help that help remind agents about kind of health risks of spending too much time sitting down and and the benefits of breaking up their sitting time frequently mm.
1: and and how was the process like you said that the team read team leaders were were kind of bringing example and there was a social element was there a clear threshold or occasion when the things started to change or change drastically or was it a gradual process all the way
0: for the intervention elements do you mean
1: yeah I, I mean like with the with the sedentary behavior that did you see that for example, nobody was standing up for the first two months, but after something happened, then it started to change more drastically like i, I mean just in the sedentary behavior
0: oh I see so um in the in the second trial in the feasibility trial um it was an uh, it was a, a, delivered over eight weeks um so there was the people that used the height adjustable desks um it almost, there was almost like this novelty factor. It, oh, it's a new desk, it's a new piece of equipment, and it's something um, novel to do within the workplace. So what we typically see, um, not just in my interventions, but in other workplace interventions, is that there's a big uptake um, and there's a big reduction in sedentary behaviour in the first instance. And then over time, that, that change slowly and gradually goes back or, or reduces over time. So um, I did notice that uh, in the first in the first feasibility trial, there um, within eight weeks, yes, there was a reduction in sitting behaviour. Um, and in my f- um, third trial as well, so there was a reduction in sitting time um, at three months and then at ten months. So this was a ten month intervention. Um, and importantly, there was a reduction in prolonged sitting periods, oh, not just at three months but at ten months as well. So we're looking at how mu- how well these behaviours can be sustained over time Mm. so one of the important um, things that i found from the third study was um that rather than delivering a three-month intervention and then stopping all intervention strategies and then evaluating again at the next follow-up was that we delivered an intensive phase intervention and then had more of a maintenance phase. So there were still ongoing intervention strategies that were being delivered, but not as intensive. And this was almost like a handover to kind of then individuals taking up the behaviour as the norm. Um, And this was replicated in um, Charles Edwardson's study, actually, who found that there was um, a sitting reduction initially, and then actually this was increased at at 12 months. They don't tend to see um, a sitting reduction increase over time. So that was really positive. Mm.
1: Let's have a short break into interview and think about the way we work. You might be walking or going about your daily course when listening to this podcast episode. But when working on a computer, we are easily stuck to static positions, whether sitting or standing. Wouldn't it be nice if you could take steps as you like? There might be a solution for you a treadmill desk from Germany called Walker Treadmill has curved shape and is powered only by you, so it moves in perfect sync with your rhythm. It features sliding integrated desk and backrest, so you can keep switching between postures easily throughout the day. It makes knowledge work much better suited for our physiology, so I'm delighted as we can now offer Walker Lusen desk treadmill for the listeners of this podcast with 10% discount. To get the discount use code SITLESS, one word written together in the store of walkalusen.com That is written walk as in walking and allusion like the second part of revolution or evolution. So walkalusen.com check it out, And let's continue with the interview. And what would be if there's some people listening from human resources or managers that they would like to implement uh, sedentary behavior reduction intervention in their workplace? What would be your main points for these people take home messages, how they should go about with the process?
0: That's a good question. Um, And it depends on, I suppose, there's like practical um, considerations within each workplace. But um, people do tend to respond to um, tangible intervention strategies. So, what we've seen within intervention research, um, workplace intervention research, is that um, environmental changes often exert the the strongest changes on behavior. So, I've talked a lot about the height adjustable workstations, and they do tend to be. or elicit the strongest and greatest changes to sedentary behaviour over time. So if you are able to deliver um, it, strategies such as that, or if you have a budget to deliver strategies, um, then they are shown to be the most beneficial. But um, my final intervention within, within my PhD research showed that there are ways to reduce sitting time without costly strategies like this. So delivering invi- um, education sessions, self-monitoring weekly emails and team leader support and things like that they can be built around to try and change that culture and they can still have a positive impact on sitting time as well
1: Mm. so you think that the most important would be to change the environment to enable enable do you see that you don't need the education if you have, for example, just a height-adjustable desk. Is it is it enough in some cases, just just to provide the opportunity?
0: Um, t- well, typically, research has shown that if you just give someone a, a workstation, yes, there may be a slight change, but um, without giving them some information and some context to why they've been given it, then it, the the behavior it does it's not enough to just have the opportunity. Um, so, if we are more aware of the behaviors and the impact on our health, then we are more likely then to see the relevance of, of using that and integrating that into our daily daily activity so I would say without i'd say it's really important to combine um, to combine the components
1: mm. and and what kind of kind of changes you were able to achieve with with these employees in your in your project what was it in two months and what was it at, at 10 months
0: so um changes in in sitting time um were noticed at well at three months and at 10 months and um, they had two intervention groups so we didn't have a non-intervention control group there were greater changes within the intervention group that had a height adjustable desk um to prolonged sitting over time and importantly we took a number of measures for um sort of product productivity and, and presenteeism using the work limitations questionnaire so these are self-reported measures um, but there was no detrimental impact on on work outcomes or perceived work outcomes which is really important It's important impact um information to feed back to um, employers that uh, they sat they sat less um, and they actually reported feeling better and um, in terms of more motivation less fatigued um Um, and increase energy. And often within the call center specifically, um, they tended to take, um, well, they said they built in patterns of sitting um, and using their desk around their interactions with their calls and customers. So typically, if they had a stressful call, um, they would stand up and that would help to make them feel more confident and more assertive um, and help them to feel more awake and alert as well. So there were really important impacts and perceived impacts. So I think that's really important as well. So we did we did measure things like cardiometabolic changes, looking at blood um, blood triglyceride and blood glucose and cholesterol. And there were n- small beneficial changes, but the, the changes for individuals are the tangible ones where they feel like there are improvements. So I think those those perceived changes were really important as well.
1: So you get quite a bit of positive changes in energy levels, some also in cardiometabolic risk factors mm-hmm. and and the productivity didn't go down. And how, how was it for presenteeism and absenteeism?
0: Yeah, similar. There was no detrimental or there was no evidence of detrimental impact on these outcomes as well. So um, there, was, there wasn't a positive or um, overly positive Impact, but there was no detriment. So we take that as a positive as well. So we were able to implement these strategies, change the behaviors without having a negative impact on these on these business metrics as well.
1: Mm. And what kind of business metrics did you use for the productivity? Was it the amount of calls, or did you actually track kind of the quality or success in the calls?
0: Well, I think that's definitely a consideration for future trials because. Call and contact centres collect a wealth of this data. Uh, yeah, call, average handling time, average and um, call duration, um, wrap time, things like that. Um, there was a, a parallel um, economic evaluation that went alongside my study and um, that did collect some of this information, but noticed no, um, no significant changes to that data either. Um, the data that I collected in terms of um, productivity were self-reported measures. Um, so it's definitely a consideration to include those business metrics within future trials as well.
1: Mm. And and how do you how do you consider you were able to achieve positive changes in in health metrics? And I think probably quite many people, maybe the baseline health is not very good, so even small changes mm-hmm. are quite beneficial. How how do you see these kind of effects? What kind of effects could it? Could this kind of intervention have in the long term for this this kind of people working in call centres?
0: So, if if behaviours is able to be maintained in the long term, then potentially um, there can be some beneficial impacts for cardiometabolic uh, um, health. Um, what we've tended to see, and within the literature, there's there is mixed evidence, and the latest uh, meta-analysis shows that there are some beneficial impacts to these. Outcomes, particularly around um, insulin levels, blood glucose, um, waist circumference, and body fat percentage. Um, but this is very varied across intervention studies. Um, so it's there are, there are potential for longer term behaviour change. But uh, to date, there is a lack of high quality studies um, with a duration of over 12 months. So there is a need for, for those kind of interventions um, and evaluations to happen.
1: Mm. And before we move to your current projects from your from your PhD study, would you like to add something related to your this PhD study
0: Ooh, um yeah so both well we're d- delivering interventions with and without a high adjustable workstation can offer some benefits to behavior changes and um, there were greater changes with the high adjustable workstation, although if you're looking for cost-effective, strategies there are ways to build that in without using high adjustable desks so um there are different ways that you can go about it um, on small budgets which may be useful for employers
1: mm. and and how do you see in this wider framework that on on phase four it was wider implementation do you see that it's it would be possible to to actually implement this this kind of intervention in for example in all call centers in in the uk
0: yeah i mean the the where i got, um i wasn't quite ready for the implementation phase following the phd um, research but what it has done is given a lot of information into how we can try to scale that up um to to address the wider implementation um the foundation phase, the development phase, looked at four um, call center call, sen- call centers in the northwest, and then the next two studies looked at two different call centers as well. So there is some evidence that these strategies may be appropriate and may be feasible to deliver within contact centers within UK settings. Um, but there are certain lessons and things that we would need to tweak in order to optimise the effects before we get to that wider implementation phase. So I think before we jump to that stage there's there's more that we need to do to build upon the intervention and, and um, enhance the effectiveness
1: thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research through podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.